Hello, this is Aaron, and welcome back to the podcast. For those of you watching on video who may be saying to yourself, Aaron, you have this look like you just got caught out in a thunderstorm. That actually is what happened. I actually was outside and got caught in a thunderstorm. So fortunately, not having any hair, my hair didn't get messed up. Mostly the top of my t-shirt is dry, but I am pretty soaked right now. But I'm not letting that stop me from doing this podcast it's great to be back from vacation. We spent a week up in northern Michigan uh, near Traverse City. Uh, originally, this was going to be a vacation with my wife's entire family. Uh, her parents weren't able to make it, uh, so it was just you know us and uh, her brother and sister-in-law. But we had a great time uh, up there, so thanks for indulging me uh, in a week off. Although I will say, I never really fully am off the clock. For whatever reason, I can't shut my brain off. So when I'm on kind of vacation trip or just leisure time, ideas are always coming into my head. I'm always seeing things that trigger me thinking to myself, wow, this will make a great article. This will make a great podcast. And conversely, when I'm working, I'm actually kind of enjoying what I'm doing. So it's, it's a little weird there. So I actually did come up with a number of things that I might write about based on observations that were up there. I'm definitely going to be doing one of my member Zoom events uh, to talk about what I saw up there because it's very fascinating and has a lot of things there. Speaking of Zoom events, thanks to those of you who took advantage of my special limited time offer in order to join the member program. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Uh, and again, you're going to get access to uh, these the private chat group and Slack and then also to our member Zoom events. So you'll get to hear a little bit behind the scenes of some observations about the vacation. But again, thank you all. Today I just want to talk about something. I was actually tweeting about this. So people who follow me on Twitter uh, saw a little bit of a preview of this. I notice so many people today who are sort of critics of the system using language that is not particularly authentic to the American tradition. So I want to dive into that a little bit. I think you can divide the discourse today into two main buckets, compliant language and defiant language. And, you know, by the way, I, I love the Benham brothers, uh, who I had on an interview, if you want to go back and listen. These guys have a gift of coming up with great rhyming or alliterative names for frameworks. I've struggled to do that. I'd like to do it more because it's more catchy. It's, you know, compliant or defiant. I need to come up with things like that to just kind of roll off the tongue. But anyhow, compliant language, we all know it. It's people who are saying the latest buzzwords, the current things, as they say. You're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You're talking about being an anti-racist. You're talking about being inclusive of, you know, this, that, or the other group. Uh, you know, uh, you've got one of those in this house signs in your yard, right? And so the point of compliant language is you are adopting the lingo of the day, uh, you know, showing that you are part of that movement. So that's one kind. Second kind is for people who are basically trying to signal they are not part of that movement. They're trying to say in some respects, hey, I got a different point of view or I reject that or whatever. And so what I find interesting about the defiant language is how often it is using 
phrases, terms, aesthetics that are not really authentic to the American tradition. And I'm not necessarily saying that all of these are bad in and of themselves or that you're wrong to do them, but I want to introduce this consideration for you. And I was thinking about this uh, based on the recent embrace of the term nationalism by a lot of people on the American right. Nationalism has become a buzzword. You hear about Christian nationalism, for example. Oh, Christian nationalism is terrible. So a lot of people in response to that say, hey, Christian nationalism is actually okay if properly understood. And in fact, actually at American Reformer, which if you don't look at American Reformer, you really should. Phenomenal stuff there. AmericanReformer.org. I'm a senior fellow at American Reformer, if you didn't know. But we've done a lot talking about the relationship between religion and the state from the standpoint of the Protestant heritage. And so nationalism is a word, I think, that very much fits that. So it's a legitimate thing to say. But I was saying to myself the other day, does the word nationalism really have much valence in America? Is there really a history of people talking about nationalism? Is nationalism one of the ways that we understand our country? And I think to some extent the answer is no. So I went out and I just realized I forgot to queue up this image, so I'm not going to be able to bring it up online, but you can go to the Google Ngram viewer. And Google Ngram, basically Google has digitized like every book that's ever been published. And you can search for terms and it'll show you like the rise and fall of the use of that term over time. So I Googled for American nationalism, in quotes. It's very hard to just do a Google on nationalism because that could refer to anything. And then, you know, you talk about American nationalism, you got to got to qualify it, but probably most uses of the term nationalism as applied to America don't really use the, the exact phrase American nationalism. So it's just indicative. Basically, the term American nationalism never really occurs prior to World War One. It, it arose during World War One, then it kind of went back down. Then there was a big spike during World War Two. It has kind of kind of gone down. But basically, this is something that really prior to World War Two was not really a term that people would use. And I just think about growing up in the eighties. Did anyone ever use the term nationalism to describe the United States? I can't ever remember it. I should go back and like search Reagan's speeches and see what he said on the topic. Uh, interestingly, right around 82, 83 is the absolute low point in the modern era of the use of the word nationalism. So maybe I'm just triggered by that. Uh, but, but it's odd. It's, it's just not, if we ask, what do we think of, of America? What are some of the phrases and words and terms that we would use? Uh, we probably wouldn't pick nationalism as one of them. I think of nationalism as a 19th century European phenomenon, right? This is, and also, you know, it's just not something I really think of, uh, of here. Uh, now, I also said, well, what's a better term for America? Well, I don't know. What about patriotism? So I did do a search on American patriotism. Again, patriotism is a word. You can't really do it. American patriotism really took off in the Civil War and was very dominant up through essentially World War II. Uh, and then in World War II, sort of it reversed with nationalism. And this is actually what you see in the mid-century era, is the historic language, symbols, and self-conception of America was replaced with a new conception 
and a new set of language that candidly was designed to center the experience of the Ellis Islanders uh, as the core of America. So we were no longer a settler nation. The frontier uh, ceased to be a concept people talk about. And instead, we became the nation of immigrants. Right? In other words, it centers the Ellis Island experience uh, in America. Uh, really, you can say, ultimately, I think maybe originally as an inclusive uh, method, uh, but also it was it was more about than just including them in. It was also about essentially centering their experience. And I say this as a guy who's looked up his relatives who came across on Ellis Island. I have virtually no uh, English background myself. I'm sure I have some. Almost everybody has some in America. Uh, I'm predominantly German and Italian. But I think we just have to be honest that there was a rewriting of some of the uh, language of America in the mid-century era. But even so, I, even then, I don't really think nationalism. You could say nation of immigrants is something I think does have a lot of historical use and coinage. I remember people talking about that uh, when I was a kid. But you start, you start getting things like nationalism, and, and I don't see it. And so I think nationalism is something that doesn't resonate with the average Joe on the street. You know, we start thinking about what does the average kind of American think about nationalism is not one of those topics. And so I think about this and many other things. Catholic integralism. I have critiqued Catholic integralism, as you know. I don't think it's an appropriate uh, approach to the United States when I'm not even Catholic. But one of the things about Catholic integralism is that it is completely foreign to the American political and cultural traditions. This was a Protestant country, not a Catholic country. Even most of the Catholics in America have become culturally Protestantized uh, in a lot of ways. The Catholic culture of America today is very different uh, than the Catholic culture in a lot of other countries. And this idea of like this integralistic merger of the state, it just is totally alien. You see it also in this dissident right. They have really adopted uh, continental philosophies, you might like to say. A lot of them, you know, frankly, use a lot of Nazi imagery or a lot of sort of militaristic Germanic imagery. I'm like, who in their right mind thinks this is going to sell in America? All, you, know, you, know, you know, these are the people that we went to war with in World War II. And oh, by the way, we beat. So everybody knows one thing Americans like, it's a winner, right? Donald Trump was uh, right about that. What's the equip? Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing, right? Or, you know, patents quip that the very thought of, of losing is hateful to an American. And so you're going to adopt a loser, right, as this. Also a morally evil regime and one whom we're our, you know, our kind of identity in the modern era is we beat them. And so it's like all this European stuff. Even if you're just showing quaint European villages, something that's actually quite nice. I, I like European villages and all this great architecture. That's not our architecture. Yes, Americans have some European history, but you're, you're trying to basically use European, continental European ways of thought, imagery, symbols, aesthetics, to politically engage or culturally engage in the United States. It's, it's like the average person is going to see this and puke, and rightfully so, if you ask me. And I think the same thing is true with paganism. Now, there is sort of a a rise of this sort of neo-paganism in certain cultures. It seems to be big in the military. 
you know, uh, they've now uh, allow you to put apparently the hammer of Thor uh, on a military on a you know a, a military tombstone uh, to indicate your religion. Uh, nevertheless, kind of Norse paganism is really not an American thing, and so I, I just think that's you know kind of kind of odd. And this is where you know the much maligned conservatism Inc actually gets a lot right. So when the Claremont Institute wanted to establish their center in Washington, D.C., what did they call it? They called it the Claremont Center for the American Way of Life. The American Way of Life is a phrase, I think, that resonates with people. And again, I don't think it's an ancient one, probably a lot of Cold War, uh, you know, Soviet, you know, anti-Soviet stuff there. But nevertheless, this is a phrase I think people relate to, the American way of life. This idea that we are a distinctive people who live a distinctive way. This is something that I think uh, really resonates with people. And so I'm not telling you that you have to select your language based off some limited repertoire of what has come before. I'm not saying you can't use the term nationalism. Uh, you may very, very well choose to do that. But one consideration that I would just say we should have as we talk about our ideas, particularly if you are in the defiant versus the compliant mode, is to say, is this language, are these aesthetics, uh, are the terms that we are using, are these authentically part of the American cultural and political tradition? Are we drawing on an American repertoire of imagery, associations, culture, terms? Or are we introducing kind of neologisms, new thought, foreign thought, foreign ideas? And I think something I think is always going to resonate more if it's phrased in sort of the language of America, particularly with the average person, who, by the way, the average person in America does not have a college degree. You know, the average kind of online discussion space is among almost entirely people who do have uh, degrees. And I think one of the things that Trump did well was found language that appealed to the average kind of non-college degree America. Make America great again. Sort of like this morning again in America that Reagan had. Found a way to speak that people bought into. It resonates with people. They get excited about it. Uh, whereas a lot of this kind of online discourse, you know, is is niche at, at, at a level. And so all of us who are probably listening to this are capable of reading books by some foreign author or some, you know, continental philosophy. You say, oh, here's some nuggets that are good out of, you know, Schopenhauer. Pick somebody like that. Uh, you know, uh, and, oh, here's from Tocqueville's Old Regime and the Revolution, which is a book, book I really like. So we come up with that stuff, and we can use it, and we can think about it, and we can abstract some of the ideas from their culturally embedded context. But that's much harder to do for the average person. So one of the things I just want to put out there as a consideration, as a thought is, ask yourself, is the language I'm using, is it consonant with the American cultural and political tradition? Or is it something that is not in conflict with it at a minimum? Or is it something different, new, 
that people who are average Americans on the street are going to think this is weird, this is bizarre. And so I'll just leave it to you with that. Not a super long podcast today, but I really appreciate you guys giving me a week off. I hope everybody is able to take a little bit of summer vacation this year. I hope you're doing well. And let's be honest, this world is a little crazy. Inflation, invasions, monkeypox, who knows what's going on out there. Uh, but we can put our trust in Christ that, you know, he's in charge. And, you know, we just need to to go forward uh, in faith as best we can. So thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.